Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Josiah Martin. So Josiah, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and um, watchers? Sure thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Um, I'm Josiah Martins. I'm uh, based out of Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I'm a maker, um, a contractor, musician, artist, and a sailor. I've got some uh, some fun um, things from my time as a sailor I wanted to share. That's really great. We welcome you. Um, looking forward to your selection of tools. Um, so, so tell me about your cool tool favorite number one. What would that be? All right. Well, the first two very much go hand in hand. Um, and I'm going to start with the Marlin spike. This is uh, this is one that my friend made for me. They are often um, made with, I think this one's made out of stainless steel. Um, and they are often made out of you know, more malleable, more rust uh, prone kind of iron. Um, but it's essentially a knot tying tool and it's just about as simple as it can get. It's just a long piece of tapered metal. Um, you can have them, you know, as small as a sewing needle. I've used the sewing needle for really small knot work in a similar way, or, you know, you can, they can be up to, you know, a foot to two feet long for really large, um, applications, but they're wonderful for splicing and they are. There is one application in particular that I find uh, it's just it's absolutely changed the way I've I've um, I've used, especially P chord. And that's there's a there's a knot called the Marlin spike hitch. And this brings me to my my second tool, which is knots in general, uh, which is a little strange, potentially. But uh, we have, you know, so many ratchet straps and bungee cords and tape and adhesive and zip ties and all of those are wonderful and have their place but the uh the the tool the psychotechnology of knowing how to tie stuff to stuff with just just a simple piece of line is absolutely indispensable and has saved saved my bacon many many times and the way i use my marlin spike probably most often is with a marlin spike hitch and it's very difficult to describe uh, vocally, but um, there's a, it's essentially a, like you, it's a, it's a hitch that you tie on the, um, not with the, the loose end, but on this sort of like working length of line. And what it allows you to do is to use the Marlin spike as a handle that runs perpendicular to the line itself. So say you're hanging a bear bag in the forest with a, you know, a tiny piece of P cord and you can't get good purchase on that little, that tiny piece of line. And you might wrap it around your hand that bites into your hand. What you can do is you, you tie a Marlin spike hitch and you use your Marlin spike as a, as a handle, a perpendicular handle at any point of the, uh, of the line. And then you, you can like run backwards or, you know, pull it back backwards and, um, and it raises up the bear bag. You can then tie it off and pull out the Marlin spike and the line just straightens itself. Um, and uh, there is a good video um, by animatednots.com that we can link to. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's probably one of my favorite knots. Um, 
And one of my favorite not books is the the Marlin Spike Sailor by Hervey Garrett Smith. Um, it is, uh, I don't know if it's still in print. I'm pretty sure there's a Kindle version, but there um, I've I've not had trouble finding used versions. Um, and it's which is one of the uh, the most practically salty books I have encountered, um, full of lots of, uh, really decorative, uh, not work as well, which I've, I've, I've really, um, gotten into, uh, and yeah, those are, uh, that's so, sort of... so the, let's go back to the first one, the, the, sure. the, the Marlin spike itself, which is, you know, the one you were showing was about maybe a foot long and it had this, uh, tapering, which was maybe an inch at the thickest and kind of came to a, a blunt point. Mm -hmm. and, um, the idea is, is that, um, I mean, most knots don't require a Marlin spike, right? I mean, I always associate with fairly decorative kind of knots, ball knots or, or the things mm -hmm. there was a Marlin spike knot that you were just mentioning, but do you find yourself, if you have one that you use it, for tying knots in general with most gauges of line it's not necessary when you're dealing with really really hefty cables um uh or you know re really thick piece, pieces of line it gets a lot more uh it, you know it becomes more indispensable either really tiny stuff or really big big stuff um but as as a tool, I've started carrying it like off when I'm not even dealing with line. I'll just have it with me because it's a it makes for a it's a pry bar. It's a hammer. It's a like I did. I did is pretty is indispensable. I keep finding finding new uses for it. One of those. So um, um, and uh, is it strength? I mean, is it necessary that, that it have high leverage? I mean, can it be made? Does it need, need to be made from a metal? I, I also I kind of always associate it with maybe just being wood or mm -hmm. something like that. So so tell me about that. I mean, like if you were to buy a Marlin spike now today on Amazon, um, there's a probably a selection of them. What kind would you recommend? Most of them that I see when just when I just did a, a quick search preceding this call, um, there the there's the the folding knife kind. So you have it comes with a, probably a sheep's foot blade and then a, a marlin spike on the other side of the the folder uh, and those work okay um those are are you know metal um but i like the uh the sort of i don't know i guess fixed blade equivalent of a marlin spike where it's just a standalone tool um probably like a something between eight and ten inches is probably the um ideal length they do have there are uh wooden knot tying tools typically called fids um, but those don't, uh, those are typically not as slender. So mm -hmm. those have a, like a chunkier handle, uh, maybe about an inch and a half in diameter. And then it tapers down to a, a, a point and those are helpful, but not quite as, um, quite as diversely useful as I found the Marlin spike to be. Um, um yeah. So, um, right, right, right by my desk, I have my little, um, um, piece of rope that I use to my knots um, mm -hmm. in the evening when I'm watching my YouTube. And um, what do you find? You, you mentioned this catalog of things from buckles and straps and zip ties. Mm -hmm. 
which are really good. So, so, so would you find yourself using these knots for on a day to day basis or you know, week to week? So, so if like yeah. I understand the sailing, there's mm-hmm. lots of ropes and it's got a gear needed to be set up. So that makes all sense. But outside of um, sailing or boats, do you, do you find um, that you need to know knots or are there other knots besides your bowline that you come to depend on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the what I love to use, I mean, there's always always P cord, but uh, what I love to use is this is a three three strand stuff. It's just kind of kind of small, but this is just a a fairly narrow gauge three strand piece of line called a uh, uh, sane twine. I think it's pronounced it's called, called sand like S A N. A sane, like uh, that's how I how I've heard like, it. Like like a like a purse sane, like a fishing net sane. Yes, and is that I think that's spelled like the rivers in in Paris, I believe. No, I don't know. That um, makes sense. But I've always heard it pronounced sane in the uh, in the fishing or the uh, sailing circles I've I've been in. Uh-huh. Um, so the the three strand stuff I absolutely love. That allows for you know fairly simple eye splices, and so you can make a a, a fixed loop in the end. Um, and I use those all the time. Um, what do you use them for? Uh, tying up, uh, you know, uh, extension cables, tying up, um, air hoses. That's super frequent. I do a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, good tar cables and RCA cables. And so there's always, there's a lot of cordage around, um, having just, we, we call them nips on the boat, just little short lengths of, of same twine with a ice splice in the end. And, um, I was on a, uh, I was on a, uh, bicycle trip once an ill-advised bicycle trip for with I was on my fixed gear. And- I, I want to hear about this. I like I like the ill-advised. <laughs> There's a story or two there. <laughs> I, I had not been training at all. I'd actually oh, okay. just, just gotten off off this uh this uh um uh this boat that I was sailing on the Lady Washington up in the um up in uh off off the coast of Oregon. And, um, I was, uh, wanted to go on a bike ride just after getting off the boat, had no, no, uh, you know, training and so your sea legs instead of your, bike. I had my sea legs, not my bike legs. And all I had was a fixed gear and I was going to do to go a hundred miles. And, uh, after the first, uh, um, probably 20, like just my tailbone was absolutely killing me. Uh, so what I did, I had just come off the boat. So I had all these lengths of same twine with me and I think I took some socks and, uh, like a, a knit cap and I just, I wrapped my seat. I sort of made this extra padding on my seat and wrapped it up with these, uh, little lengths of line. And I don't really think any other, uh, I mean, could have used P cord, I guess, but I, there's not really tape wouldn't have been the right, the right choice. Like no other real, real, uh, ties that I can think of would have been the, the right choice. And uh-huh, uh-huh. I just to have them. Yeah. 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 It's been many, many moments like that, tying things onto a backpack uh, while backpacking, fixing backpacking gear, um, shoelaces. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I have, this is a separate thing, but I've graduated from tying my shoelaces to using the um, elastic cords. Oh, yeah. 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 This is really, the only way I tell you, I've been doing it for years. It was a cool tool suggested by AJ Jacobs and um, I've never gone back. All my shoes are these elastic cord things. I remember just, that one. And they're just, mm-hmm. I don't tie shoes anymore. So yeah, uh, <laughs> but I think I've missed my daily knot tying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I, I and I, I like your suggestion of the um, the animated knot site, which is really fabulous. And for me, mm-hmm. it's really necessary. It, it, it transcends the books in terms of being able to actually convey how you how you tie the knot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so that's really great. Okay, so um, so just try to t- tell us uh, um, your 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 third choice. All right, my third choice. I cannot remember where I learned about this first. It very well may have been Cool Tools, but it's so good. I think it bears repeating if that if it has indeed been on Cool Tools. And that's French cleat, okay. um, which is just about the simplest, uh, just the simplest little bit of kit that I use all the time. Um, so essentially, I, I usually make it by uh, ripping down a, a strip of three quarter plywood, maybe three inches wide. And then ripping it again down the middle at 45 degrees. So you get these two pieces of, uh, you know, 40 of these two strips of uh, three quarter plywood. You could really use most anything um, with a little 45 degree angle on one one edge. What that allows you to do is to make uh, to make rails. I typically will cover a whole wall and uh, these French cleat rails. And then um, the the inverse, the um, uh, you can you can have the inverse of the same rail, and you can cut off little lengths of that. You can attach it to virtually anything, and it allows for pretty infinitely configurable uh, storage of tools, of shelves. I've like hung speakers. These shelves behind me are mounted with French cleat. I just I use it for mounting cabinets. I think that's typically what it's. Yeah. Uh, used for but uh, i've found the applications that be virtually endless and right. usually one of the first things i do when i set up a workshop is make a french cleat wall so yeah the french cleats are they're they're they're, they're you have a lot of surface areas so they're very very stable and they're also you can also level them pretty easily i mean the thing you're hanging and um but as you said they're the they also go up and down very easily too, which most people don't need. But when you're trying to install something, it's the simplest installation because you get to work on the actual structure that hangs it without, you know, with nothing. It's open. It's an open face. Yes. Yeah. And then you just add this thing and it's a no brainer just to have it slip in. So yeah, that's, it's a really great thing. I, I haven't gone so far as making the cleat wall. That's an interesting idea. Um, but yeah, I can see why you do that. And it's very easy to make. So you're right. It's a really cool tool. I, I know you've talked about the uh, Stanley organizers too, or I think yeah. you used the Harbor, Harbor Freight ones. And um, uh, yeah, I've, I've made the, um, you know, the kind of drawer, uh, drawer structures for those. And uh, of course, I put French cleat on the back of those structures <laughs> and hang them. And that allows, yeah. it's just, it's so, so easy and so flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been using them for picture frames mm-hmm. because of, of bigger ones. Um, it's a little easier that to to get one up exactly right and level um, if you have a French cleat because you, again you're working when you can see things instead of having to go behind, get behind things and find where that wire is and all that. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. I love that. So that's really great. The French cleat and there's really no other tool you need other than like a table saw. Yeah, exactly. And you can use scrap, uh, scrap plywood, scrap. I think I usually use three quarter, but I'm pretty sure half inch would, would work pretty well. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I never tried it with MDF, but that that might that that would probably work for lighter. Oh, it will work. Sure. Yeah. Um. So that's great. Okay. So so what's um your fourth cool tool? All right. Yeah. The fourth one is sort of a departure from uh, the other three, but this is the wow. synth, the synth strum deluge. Okay, uh, you're holding up something that yeah, uh, it's essentially about I don't know a foot and a half, maybe foot high, and it's just covered yeah. with little square buttons. Yes, yes, it is. Um, so this thing is just about I've I've uh, been I've uh, played synthesizers for a long time, and it's been uh, I've all, I've been searching for the I, I don't really like using software very much. There's not it's not really a purist thing as much as I just love the tactile experience of working with hardware and having each piece of hardware having a distinct task. So when I go there and manipulate the controls on that piece of hardware, I know what's going to happen and don't have to go menu diving. Um, and this, but I've been, it's difficult to find pieces of hardware that can control the, um, both make, make music internally and can also control other things and um, can do so in an intuitive way where it's easy to, easy to compose, easy to save, easy mm -hmm. to, um, to perform. And the Synthstrom Deluge is... Is that what this one is? Can, can yes. It yes. It's the Synthstrom Deluge. It's by a small little uh, uh, outfit out of New Zealand. Uh, it's a mm -hmm. Synthstrom. I don't think they make anything else. I think this is the one thing they make, but this thing has... Um, oh. So you turned what, it on and there's some pretty lights. Pretty you know? lights. Yeah, so this... Um, it has a built-in synthesizer, uh, like a very robust, powerful built-in synthesizer, um, a drum machine, and a uh, uh, MIDI control. So you can use it as a MIDI sequencer for external gear and a uh, control voltage sequencer as well. So you can control voltage output. So you can control right. bits of uh, modular synth synthesizer gear. So, uh, so these other buttons... Are mm -hmm. they all like programmable or are they already all programmed for this system here? It So this one does have a little bit of, so I think this, one of the things I love about it is it is, it can do virtually, virtually everything. It also, you can manage samples. So, um, uh, and it's, there's so many features that I, I, it's uh, easy to get lost in it, but there's a, there's sort of a, a surface layer of functionality mm -hmm. that's very easy to access. Um, what this is, uh, you can, um, so this, this screen right here does a, a few different functions or the, the, uh, the, the, the button matrix does a few different functions. Um, it can actually work as a waveform display when you're modern when you're um um let's see if i can pull that up when you're editing a there we go when you're editing a waveform so this is a basic uh kick waveform okay and you can uh so you can use that as a screen to um you know you can edit it you can make it start later in the sample you can you can you can end the sample sooner sooner so uh, so what you're doing to, for those who are uh, sure. listening along is that you these buttons or this grid or the surface of buttons also acts as a screen mm -hmm. like pixels 
So in addition to them being, I guess, active as a response where you can click on it, they actually light up and they're being lit up in some sequence so they can, you can see them, a a wave go across or Mm -hmm. a bar coming down to stop them. Um, so it has double duty, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's both a visual layout. So when and when you're working with, a, say, a program like Fruity Loops, there's a visualization called uh, Piano Roll, where on one axis, you have the notes represented by different keys on a piano. And on the other axis, you have uh, you have the duration of that note. So you can essentially compose melodies by visually by by uh, time and note. And you can you can do that with this as well. It has uh, piano roll capability, so you can kind of make uh, make sim- make melodies very easily. You can do the same thing with uh, with drum beats. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That um, and when you compose different parts you can also uh arrange them in song view so you can have this whole list of this whole uh you know got several different synthesizer right, tracks, right. a couple of sampler tracks a couple right, right. uh drum kit tracks then you right, can right. arrange it all there and and as so, you say i i know that there are software equivalents of this mm-hmm. do this on a screen but for you the benefit is that this is a very tactile I wouldn't call it analog, but it's certainly like an analog interface to that. Mm-hmm. And that that is more intuitive for the way you work. That's more intuitive for the way I work. Um, the other thing that I, man, this thing is, is just, I've never, I've never encountered anything that has so, so much functionality packed into so tight and cute of a package. Um, it's uh, so it's also, it runs off batteries. There, there's an internal battery that you mm-hmm. can change out, but it, um, um, that's good for about five hours, five, six hours. And there's this built-in speaker. So it's uh, not obviously not the best of sound in a sure. small little package, but it makes for, you can, you can take this thing. It's, you know, it's about, it's about the size of a, a little thicker than a laptop, but it's smaller, mm-hmm. uh, smaller footprint than, than a laptop. You can take it with it take it with you anywhere um you can like sketch out songs outside you can take it on the plane it's just one compact unit and then like when you get back into the studio you can then uh send those like if you have programmed certain melodic lines with a placeholder internal synthesizer you can then send that out to other other synthesizers so you can you can use it as a sketch um sort of a sketch pad for musical ideas mm-hmm. you can use it as a full-on composer for mm-hmm. uh for longer uh longer pieces um it's battery powered it also like you know plugs in and interfaces right. with all all manner of gear it's pretty much yeah it's it's kind of hits all the sweet spots for me and it must have some small amount of memory too right yes it run uh, the memory is a sd card i believe yeah, yeah. um so- yeah, enough to store some sketches on. Yes, absolutely. So, is, and is that a, is that currently in production, or are they? Just- it is. Yeah, they. So the uh, um, the newer versions have a an OLED screen. Pretty sure that's right, but it's it's more of the 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 white kind of low resolution, but still sort of a um, something you could you can get a little more information than this uh, just kind of. Okay. <laughs> red digital readout. So uh-huh. newer ones are a bit more expensive than this. Um, uh, I think they're around 1400. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a 
cool little company and it's got a, a great community of users and um the uh the the uh producers themselves are very responsive very much involved in the community as well very responsive to uh feedback and suggestions for new modes and uh, it's a very it's very active vibrant uh community associated with this and um do you um do you just kind of mess around kind of fool around to make your own songs do you go all the way to actually like producing a finished song that you release and share um or is this yeah for doodling and um you know for your own enjoyment i've done a i've done a lot of uh, a lot of doodling um uh, it was actually a, another recent uh, cool tools episode i believe that uh war of art was um was brought up and that reminded me of the book and i i uh I, I read it again after listening to that episode and um it just it uh it I I realized how how important music is to me and how much I've been sort of like putting like putting it off to the side, you know. It's it's actually it's even the things that we love, we can um, you know, can be a lot of work if we're actually dedicated if we want to dedicate ourselves to showing up to it. And so I think it's been about 10 years since I've made music very seriously. I've I've just I've doodled here and there, and um, yeah, as as of uh, as of about a month ago, I've really started diving back into music production and um, uh, yeah, like take taking that practice more seriously. Um, and are you are you sharing it? I guess that would be to me a, a mark of mm -hmm. once of one one kind of of making, which is that you um, share it that it's um, public in some ways. I that that is very much going to happen <laughs> <laughs> okay great so very I, mean, I, was, I was wondering if this tool was sort of of the kinds of things that would help you get to that point where you have a kind of a, a, a professionally could use would be happy with a polished version of it yes okay. yeah it definitely is that kind of tool um it is really kind of easy with especially with synthesizers to kind of think at least for me it's been to um uh think that I, it's going to be easier to share things when i get this next piece of gear okay um and honestly i think that was part of my mindset when i bought this yeah. you know a couple of years ago and but now i have it in my arsenal and i've i have this new sort of commitments to mm -hmm. to this process that is uh, it's feeling like a like a yeah a big right. value add in my life i know that um robin miller who has um been on our podcast who was the um half of the Brothers who invented the Mist games. Oh, right, right, yes. Um, which had soundtracks. So he 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 wrote all the music for that, and he's a big fan of this OP one. I think they call it. Mm -hmm. This is a little tiny. It almost looks like a toy, which is why I was kind of asking. And um, but it's you know it's like a kind of Fisher Price kind of toy keyboard, but it's um it's some kind of synthesizer that um he uses for his actually you know released um versions of things that that he's he's generating on this thing that looks like a toy yeah i've i've heard a lot of great things about the op1 and i think that that, that whole series um i've never actually played with one um yeah. but i know you can get incredibly professional results from yeah something that does look look fairly uh fairly toy-like yeah yeah um well this is really great so again this is called the synth lounge what was it called again the synth strum that's s-y-n-t-h-s-t-r-o-m okay. synth strum deluge is deluge. the product okay. and um 
yeah, it sounds like a great, a great, um, a great device if you're into you know that kind of music. Mm-hmm. So, um, just like tell, tell us then about what you'd like to share with our audience. Um, what excites you these days, or what's your passion project? Yeah. Um, well, my uh, the last uh, uh, you know several months, I've been moving into a new shop. I've been um, setting up uh, all my my French cleat walls and. Um, is this something you do professionally or is this uh, a hobby? This little column A, little column B. Um, I'm a um, I'm a contractor, um, and so I'm doing a lot of building and construction during during the week, and then in the evenings and weekends, I spend time in the shop. And in this shop, there's also a, a music studio that I've been in the process of building out. So, um, and I've also uh, in the last few years gotten really into more um, analog video art as well um which... video art um trying to think what that means today. so i like using a lot of uh, a lot of vcrs a lot of uh, oh, okay games so some found footage um then there's running those through some uh signal effects process okay, all right and then using a lot of old video mixers as well so you get some end cameras on tvs and so lots of screens lots of wires it's very chaotic and and uh uh-huh. And um, uh, it's it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Um, and so, so, so that's your your, your current thing. I, I may have interrupted you in terms of what you're describing. So you're building this workshop. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's the um, my main sort of a project right now is getting this 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 workshop uh, uh, set up and functional for a wide variety of media, um, and uh, that includes building out this. Um, sort of music yeah. video studio and the, uh-huh. the goal is to um is to have a uh, a makerspace uh sort of community makerspace here in in eugene there is one here it's it's fairly a uh, um underwhelming um i don't want to say that it, they, they 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 do really well for um what they do but i think they're they're serving a different sort of demographic sector people sort of people that are um just kind of interested in showing up once in a while and doing a little project here and there. And I'd, I'd like to cultivate a, uh, a network of more serious makers. Um, and I'm, uh, yeah, building out this workshop to uh, be a platform. Well, if, if there was a listener in the Eugene area that was interested in, in participating, um, make sure that we get a link or somewhere or some way to contact you. Sure. Um, to, to see if there, if that fits with what you, you have in mind. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love going to other people's workshops just to be inspired, to see some of their solutions, to watch people work. I spend way too much of my time <laughs> watching people work on YouTube um, because I just learned so much. I think it's a really, um, I mean, I have really, really learned a lot about making things by watching other people make them mm-hmm. and um, particularly how they recover from mistakes and yeah. The little tips that they have, like, you know, like, you know, for cutting something it's like, why, well, you know, when you're cutting this, you have to really watch out for this. It's like, well, that would, that would take 10 years to get that experience on your own. You know, uh, when you're milling brass, brass is grippy. Okay. Well that that's, you know, that's important to no. know, but that, yeah. that takes a lot of experience to get to that. If you didn't have someone tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a, one of my favorite ways to spend time is working on projects with other people. And, and uh, it's just such a 
wonderful way to both get to know someone as an individual and also learn from a whole different experience set. And mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, yeah, just I love that. Well, thank you again for your tools from the French cleats to the knots and mm -hmm. the spike and, um, and your synthesizer. So thank you for appearing on Cool Tools. We greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going, and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year. And I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video and um, you need to have some tools that you can show um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something used to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.